Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 156. It's been a few weeks since I filmed an episode, and the reason for that is I've either been in Shetland or in Exeter, so I couldn't have found two places further away in the UK, um, up almost right at the top of the... Uh, yeah, almost right at the top of Shetland. What is the mainland called? That's terrible, doesn't matter. Almost as north as we can be, and then all the way down to Exeter, all within um, 24 hours. So uh, quite a change in scenery there, on line with Norway, pretty much to in line with almost Europe. So yeah, uh, quite an exciting week. And the reason for Exeter was to start the Nuffield journey. So um, you've been aware for some time, I've been speaking about it for probably 10 or 12 months, that Nuffield's been a thing I've been going for. Um, maybe not everyone's so open about it, but I thought, oh, what's the worst that can happen? I don't get it, and that's fine. I was happy with that. So, obviously, was successful. <clears throat> headed down, and had quite a quite an intense three days, which I'm sure we'll get into today because our guest is uh, another Nuffield scholar of this year. So, um, the first day was an in, a pretty intense. This is what's happening with Nuffield. The second day was, uh, well, the second and the third days were looking at presentations of those that were doing it either two, three or four years ago. And then right at the end, <coughs> we were given our tie or our, um, I can't remember the word, but a little fancy brooch thing. I can't remember the word, we'll get into that later. Um, that meant we were now part of the club. So that was that was quite good fun. It was a good week. It was very intense, but really good fun. Um, nice to meet a lot of people that we've been in a WhatsApp group with now for a few weeks and actually put names to faces and whatnot and have a bit of a chat, uh, whether that was over dinner, tea, or a, a sort of chat about video editing at one point. So yeah, quite a lot going on. Um, the reason I was in Shetland was speaking at an event, a place I've, I think I've been to, nine countries in the last three months i'm taking on nuffield to travel less um but yeah been traveling a lot and the the place that people get really excited about even though it's the same countries we're in is shetland and, and it did not disappoint we got to play orb football we um <clears throat> did the speech and was very much not very nice to louise patterson so shout out louise sorry about that um but yeah all good fun so it's been good time now back to filming podcasts and as you know we have the full cohort of Nuffield to go. So we've got a lot of people to go through and some fantastically interesting sort of intentions that we look forward to seeing the travel um, of these people, which will be doing something similar to myself, but the topics are very varied. Uh, and for those of you that, <coughs> that do enjoy the podcast, for those that maybe don't listen, um, our last episode was with Harry Winslet, who is another of this year's cohort. Harry's looking at peat and the importance of peat Um utilization restoration and basically not damaging peatlands uh, the next episode after this will be with dan jones who if someone i'm very much aware of didn't know his name uh, very much aware of his situation and that a few years ago i would say probably seven or eight years ago great orm estate was put up for a tenancy of a pound on the sheep side of things and uh, dan was the one of thousands that won that so um yeah we'll talk about that as well but today is one that involves one of my favourite animals, as most of you know, um, but also a lot more than just that. And that person is Natalie Hepburn. Natalie, would you like to say hello? Hello. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, formerly known as A-Plan Rural. Howden are heavily involved in the social media scene in the ag space with over 100,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories, as well as posting to their rural community blog with further articles about these people in the sector. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. 
So thank you to Howden Rural for that. Looking forward to this? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, done this sort of thing before? Never. No, no, not at all. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it's not too difficult. I'm not exactly someone that's going to go too hard on questions. I just get excited about people's stories. <laughs> I don't feel any pressure. Um, Natalie, for the listeners, could you give a wee bit of background to people? Um, not even Nuffield, just sort of your life before that. What, what your sort of story is, just a sort of short, uh, brief overview of, of yourself. Yeah, so I about start back way back when. I'm Kent, born and bred, so southeast of England. Uh, not at all a farming background. Dad, electrician. Mum, shop worker. Classic education. Uh, went to university and I studied chemistry. So I left uh, Kent to go to Swansea to study chemistry. And then I went on to postgrad studies in Cardiff, doing more biochemistry type stuff. Um, and then well, I got married. We started keeping chickens in the back garden. And that was the beginning of, shall we say, the slippery slope. So um, two chickens became six chickens within 18 months, became we want more. So we started looking for land. Um, and then came two sheep, two door sit downs. Um, and well, you know, tagging sort of 250. And I'm 250 when I'm tagging sheep now. So it says how many we've been through. Um, so we've got a small holding. I suppose it's about 30 acres over a number of sites. Um, so there's sheep, goats, an alpaca, a couple of ponies, ducks and chickens. Quite a menagerie. Yes. <laughs> um, it's quite funny. Do you know, it was we had someone who had a very similar transition not quite the same someone who was in London they did a chemistry degree but they moved on to engineering and then they've moved to be farming in Wales so it's a uh, not the exact same but uh, there's there's sort of similarities there yeah. what what um what made you choose chemistry was that something you're always always interested in yeah, I suppose, you know, I really enjoyed the sciences, uh, thought of sort of you add A and B and you get C and it's quite sort of straightforward and, you know, learning the formula and learning it. And I suppose it was between, at that point in my life, it was between chemistry or geography. Um, I thought, well, geography, what am I going to be a teacher? Don't, no, thanks. <laughs> Go down the chemistry route. Um, and so that was it, really. Yeah. Uh, I've never understood how you can add letters and get each other, but um, such is the way of confusing maths. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so biochemistry, obviously quite broad. Uh, yeah. Do you have a specific focus in biochem? Yeah, so, um, well, casting my mind back, so there's part of your immune, well, your immune systems heavily implicated in autoimmune diseases, hence the name. So where something might activate your body and it starts attacking itself and destroying itself. So you've got things like rheumatoid arthritis, myasthenia gravis, MS, um, your body starts attacking yourself. So we were looking at a particular arm of the immune system called the complement system. It's naturally activated um, and it, you know, it's kind of a cascade of things. And then it ends up in, you know, hopefully it ends up in pathogen death if you're being infected by something like the yeah. death of a virus, death of a bacteria. Um, but it's been implicated in things like rheumatoid arthritis, destroying the cartilage in your joints, um, MS in destroying your nerve sheaths. Um, so we were looking at targeting this in um in the disease context of course if you give someone a broad spectrum immunosuppressant yes you'll knock down the disease effects but you'll also get you know unwanted you know comprom compromise of your immune system you're more likely to get infection so we were looking at ways of basically targeting it so for instance we were looking at um basically binding the drug in an active form to a carrier and that would be circulating your immune system and not until it reached the joints um, would the enzymes which are destroying the cartilage also open up this drug, uh, take it off its carrier, and therefore make it active? So by you know, so it's kind of targeting itself. So it would only switch on in the knee, knee in the knee joint or the vicinity of the knee joint to so give a very sort of direct and active, um, you know, 
therapeutic approach. For those that can't see me, which is everyone, because this is just an audio podcast, my face is confused. (laughs) 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 It's um, you know, you said at the start there, you were like, Oh, just cast my mind back, and I'm like, Oh, it's not gonna remember what it's talking about, and then give a light back. Yeah. Um was that over was that so what's that? Three years? Was that a PhD? Was that yeah? Three years, yeah. 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 Um, so three to four years, sort of three years of research and a year kind of post to write up and submit and go through the viva. So we're we're doing a scholarship, which I think, you know, when I was in America and I was mentioning that word, people saw it as a PhD or a master's yeah. or something like that. And and there is similarities to draw, but really there's not in a lot of ways as well. But um could you t- PhDs interest me and basically every time I bring someone on who has one I ask a lot of questions because I have had one sort of unofficially approved and says oh this is a good idea uh, I just chose to do an field first um so yeah tell us about getting into a PhD doing a PhD being very clever and confusing and <laughs> <laughs> actually Sorry. going through the process and becoming becoming a doctor um, I suppose I was, I did a chemistry degree, but my chemistry degree was 75% chemistry and 25% biochemistry. And I really did enjoy the biochemistry. At one point, I considered ditching the chemistry and just going sole biochemistry. I didn't, you know, I carried on. Um, and so at the end of my PhD, I was looking for what to do. I saw at the end of my degree, I was looking for what to do. Um, and I suppose in science, you know, things are things are quite well funded in that you don't have to create a project. Quite often, like a researcher has a broader project and they'll split it into that'll be a good postdoc position, that'll be a good PhD position. Um, so quite often they come with funding, like for instance, sort of the Wellcome Trust or the, you know, different research councils, the Medical Research Council will fund like a, a professor or a researcher within the university and they'll give them additional funding to bolt on different people. So I was looking at jobs and particularly was given, you know, this is, you know, this is where the word scholarship comes in, you know, given a scholarship to a funded position to do a research in this particular area. So I applied um, and I got it. You know, I was quite shocked to get it, I think, because I was leaping from chemistry to biochemistry. I was thinking, you know, someone with a more biochemistry background is going to get this. Um but, you know, so, yes, that was it. So it was more like it wasn't like being at university for me. It was like being a day job. You would go in, you would sit, you know, spend most of the day in the lab, some of the days in the office doing sort of writing, but most of the day in the lab doing experiments. And that was it, really. So we then, you know, three years of that research, seeing where it took you, you wrote it up and that was the end of it, <laughs> technically. <laughs> bit of a viva, bit of a oral examination at the end. Well, everyone that has a doctorate is sitting thinking, that is not it. <laughs> so much more tears in there. There's so much yes, more. Yeah. Um, I'm walking out on this. I'm leaving this. I can't do this. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about the dreaded Viva, because we always hear about the What is a Viva? So a Viva is an oral exam. So you have to write your um, PhD findings into what can only be described as the tone of a, a large book of a PhD, which is actually bound. Um, and then you have to, well, you don't bind it first. You just kind of do it in draft paper format. You then submit it to the university who sends it to um, chosen people. So either internal or external examiners. So there's a mixture, two or three in a room. And they literally, um, you know, you go in there and they'll go through it questioning you. And that could take, you know, hours 
it can take as long, you know, six hours hasn't been unheard of. I was very lucky. Um, mine was quite short, but they'll just basically give you an oral exam going through it, making sure it's your work, that you understand the implications of it. So it's just sat there really talking through your work. And you know. and then at the end of it, they'll often go, well, we'll accept you on the proviso that you do X, Y, and Z. So they might think, want you to expand a certain part of it or even do some more research just to clarify some areas. And then once that's all signed and sealed, you get it bound and have a, have a tone to collect dust on the shelf. <laughs> How big is it? How many pages is yours? Uh, mine's about that thick. I can't remember how many pages now. Jeez. I, I dug it out the other day. I was like, oh, there was that's it, in that box over there. <laughs> the moving house. <laughs> yeah. For those listening, that was the best part of two inches thick. That's a big yeah. book. I've never read a book in my life, and it's very embarrassing. Um, I've read uh, a couple of the, the scholarship reports from before people mm. have had on, I've done one, um, which I didn't realise was going to be preparation, in fairness. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, speaking to Annie, who's done a PhD as well, obviously, and I'm pretty sure it's going to put you guys in pretty good stead. And to be honest, I think Rachel made a really good point, and I think I'll be the same. 5,000 words isn't a lot. It's kind yeah. of I thought about the report. You know, we're going to fit a lot into 5,000 words, and, and <laughs> that's going to be quite intense. The trouble is, is keeping it down to 5,000 yeah. words. Can you think about, you know, job. you could probably write 1,000 on each place you visit, let alone your context and your findings mm-hmm. and your conclusions. Yeah, I think um, those videos are going to have to be pretty packed yeah uh, yeah it's amazing how long like i mean i think they say an a4 page of full writing is about 45 seconds yeah if you're talking so uh yeah you can get a lot into three and a half minutes in fairness so <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> quite a fair chunk in those videos that you can really fill them out but um also i think it's quite a big change because video editing is not a thing everyone can do yeah. and now we're just sort of i mean i know i can but i'm not not everyone can like it's a it's a big thing to to add in as well you know um yeah i quite like the change but i can see why some folk are a bit a bit nervous, <laughs> nervous. I think it's needed you know you wear kind of how you do social media thinking oh this just isn't quite looking how i want it to look and you know i think you know it's a good skill to have now it is yeah it is um and i mean in fairness that was probably the couple of bits that i was a bit like ah lovely like this it's bit mine, it. <laughs> i can do that bit <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's it I've, i think i've had about half of the scholars so far say wallace would you be able to edit this for me <laughs> start taking fees uh, <laughs> so um after the phd athlete was uh, what was next on the horizon then what was next i stuck around sort of the university lab where i was did my phd and did a bit of postdocing so i was fortunate enough that uh, one of the team our technician actually stepped down on maternity leave at the end of my PhD so that enabled me to cover her maternity leave in a paid role while still sort of writing up. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information about our primary sponsors Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. Be sure to check out Howden Rural today. Um, I then did a postdoc position and I then kind of toyed with what's next for me. Um, and I actually elected to step out of the academic environment into an industrial environment. So I went to work for a company that was it's called a nutraceutical company. So where pharmacy pharmaceuticals make drugs, nutraceuticals make your nutrient supplements. So okay. they particularly specialised in probiotics, so your friendly bacteria and fish oil supplements. So I was sort of there to support the research side of things to sort of facilitate and justify the you know the marketing of these products now probiotics 
all that stuff. Yeah. Is it good? The reason I ask that is I've heard a lot of folks say so it's very good. I've heard a lot of folks say it doesn't do anything. Yeah, I think if you've got a really well-established gut flora, yeah. by taking anything extra, you're not going to have an impact. Okay. Um, but when you're immunosuppressed or you're at risk of something, it can. You know, there's been quite a lot of studies, particularly C. difficile, which is a bacterial infection. If you, um, and that causes sort of gut inflammation, you know, diarrhea, all that stuff. Um, if you actually take a probiotic dose, you can shorten the lifespan of, you know, the duration of that infection. Um, because you're you know it's competing with those good bacteria shoving in so if you've got a a good competition it's going to be out competed quite quickly um much like my discussion with claire whittle i feel like this is going to be one of those episodes where it should be sponsored by collins just bring out (laughs) some of the words i'm like not heard that one before (laughs) um yeah it's an interesting one because like that that's probably the most uh I, not concise, just the, the answer that makes the most sense to that. I've asked a few folk that because I, I remember I had a, had a, a, a lecturer who was um, probably not much older than myself when she was my lecturer. I now work alongside Mia. Um, and uh, her her PhD was not at all in that, but it was in uh, poultry nutrition, I believe. And uh, probiotics was one thing I always remember saying was a load of rubbish. Uh, and then I'd heard other folks saying, oh, it's the best thing ever. I like your example that yeah, yeah it's not a one size fits all type deal yeah there's a huge amount of research really into uh, the gut brain access so how what the gut's happening and what's happening in the gut in terms of digesting your foods and how healthy your gut is has a huge effect on how your brain functions uh, your 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 mental health as well and there's so there is a lot linking but if you do have a well-established flora gut flora without having you know extreme therapy to change that you it is a struggle to change right okay that makes sense that makes sense i mean i suppose with us doing all this traveling it might be worth having a dose of probiotics in our bag at all times (laughs) to keep us nice and healthy well um do you know i think since about the third of august i haven't had a stop like an hour to stop until friday and i was just not well this weekend i think my body was like stop please (laughs) (laughs) just for a minute please and uh by god it made me stop because i was very sick um but uh yeah no i think i think you're probably right you know it's funny there's a funny story jane strawhorn if you're listening you'll you'll know exactly where i'm going given just what natalie said so um four of us from sayfc were sent to tanzania in august we also went to rwanda but in tanzania basically we're in this place with no running water literally for about a week it was not enjoyable from that perspective but the rest was amazing and i kind of don't really mind about that i thought it made it really authentic but anyway uh, even to the point one day i literally ran up into what was essentially a forest and then moved a water pipe which then meant we did the water for a few hours it was that thing <laughs> it really was like um but about four days in because it had been such a <coughs> i don't want to say well organized because that's absolutely not the case such a friendly bunch of people there must have been 60 of us <coughs> and I'd never really spoken to the group I was with because we just were like, oh, I'll go with them. I'll go with them. It was really nice. <laughs> and we um, we all by chance had sat down together on like the fourth day. And uh, someone had mentioned to me, oh, you can't drink the water. <laughs> I'd never really travelled before this. I must have had litres at this stage because it was warm. I was just drinking at the top. And I'd said to her, I was like, guys, are you, like, are you not drinking the water? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
No! <laughs> yeah. I've, I've sitting there having been dragging the whole time, and I think I was the only one that didn't have an upset tummy, in fairness. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what being raised on um, on a farm does. Uh, but <laughs> yes. so, yeah, I have to look at my children as they're eating, thinking I should have made you wash your hands first. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But in the long run, it's good. Uh, yeah, it's good yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... You've come away, you started working. Uh, was it soon after this you started thinking, you know what, let's pick up some animals here and there? Yeah, so um, I suppose alongside doing that, we did have a few chickens and a few sheep. And so for a long time, we were sort of juggling it as kind of a hobby alongside us both working, my husband and I both working. Um, I suppose the crux point in our life came outside of uh, you know, our careers in terms of we um, adopted two children. And it was just like, well, I'm not going to be able to manage a career and you know fully focus on the needs of these children as they come in you know they've come from a neglectful background traumatized we're going to have to sort of put some effort in so I at that point took a step away from my career um just to focus on you know being a mum and parenting and sorting them out um and then as they've grown and we had addition of a third one as well um the farming is has grown as well so you know as as they required less of my input. <laughs> I have put more of it into the farm and it's become a business. So it's not a hobby anymore. It's a business. First off, before we get into business, that must be an extremely rewarding change to your life. Uh, and challenging. Rewarding and oh, challenging. Geez. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be without them. They just amaze me. And, you know, they've, they've helped shape me as the person I am today as much as anything you know dealing with certain aspects how are you going to cope with that <laughs> yeah. is that why you're flying around the world uh yeah. no what age what age are they now and how long uh, what um, so we have uh, 15 14 and 9 Amazing. so the two oldest have been with us over sort of 10 years um okay. and uh, the youngest has been with us um nine years so she was a baby she was removed at birth yes. because of the context and you know came straight to us then that's amazing. Well, came that's... to us at seven months. Once once the paraphernalia of social services had worked its wonders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I can imagine. And I assume much like any siblings, they have their disputes, but get on very well, all three of them, yeah. Yeah, they do have their moments, so we say. <laughs> but they certainly do. <laughs> I can absolutely believe that. I do not not surprised about that at all. Yeah. No, that's that's a, that's amazing and, and a massive respect goes to both of you on that as well. Um yeah so that's going to take a lot of time and then you thought yeah. you know what let's look after more uh, so <laughs> took on, took on some, uh, <clears throat> some animals there as well and like you said oh there's one saying hello sorry there's the dog <laughs> What's to get just to chip in that's it, it needs, needs to be mentioned as well yeah, um, absolutely did did you ever i assume you know with the numbers you took on it probably at that stage wasn't wasn't considered you were well not considered you weren't considering it to be a business at that stage was it just a nice thing to have it was just a hobby yeah it's just sort of a more, more of a lifestyle choice really yeah um you know rearing you know growing a few veg rearing a few animals for our own consumption and um you know a few chickens for our own eggs yeah, yeah. sort of really on i suppose on the back of the sort of river cottage you know craze way back when that sort of puts my age into perspective but yeah that was kind of on the back of that really yeah I think I know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> um and then at what stage did you realize oh wait a minute there's something we can do here that this doesn't just have to be a nice hobby I suppose it was seeing the increasing uh bills <laughs> of yeah. keeping these animals and the need to um 
the need to cover those costs. I mean, for us, the first, I mean, we, we, of course, you're breeding, you've got to make that choice, which ones you're going to keep and which ones you're not. And so we did start selling the meat as meat boxes. And then it came to kind of well, all the fleeces from the sheep. Um, you know, what are we going to do with those? We started um, having and spun and making a knitting yarn to sell. And it's kind of as we've grown, we've sort of bolted on more and more aspects to the business. So is it is it one of those types that, you know, nothing's wasted? You know, you've got a sheep where meat Abs- is, wool is utilised, everything, yeah? Yeah. So, um, I yeah, I say to people, we don't, we don't waste anything. So when we take, so we obviously, we have those, we go for meat and we uh, recover the skins from the abattoir. So we sort those and get sheepskin rugs made. Uh, any of those which have horns, I get those back and I sell those to stick makers. Um, and then yes, we use all the all the wool. Um, I always said we, we we waste nothing, not even the sound, because we were at Bath and we show once, and someone said, "Excuse me, I need a sound bite for a sheep bleating. Do you think you can get them to bleat?" So I was like, "Yes, no problem. Here's the bucket." <laughs> so we even used their, their their voices. That is one I've never heard. Yeah. <laughs> I've never looked at a sheep and thought the larynx could make some money. Uh, you know, that's that's quite something. Um, yeah, I mean, so the horns is crazy. You know, the, you know, thinking well. For just the horns i've actually covered my slaughter and butchering costs really yeah <laughs> that's really good because I, I i don't know the money in that side at all because yeah. you know, coming from a, a commercial farm yeah not something so when you, you ask it, you know, when you're commercial it's, it's the time it takes to deal with all these bits but when you're smaller you have the you know that's where you focus really on doing the small things and i think you know was it 30 acres you said yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you got that during this process is that right yeah so we we bought originally 1.7 acres just under two acres and then we bought another sort of three and a half acres and then we've rented in a sort of a big 10 acre field and then over time you know people stop excuse me i've got a little paddock do you think you can graze it and the answer is more or less always yes (laughs) and so yeah that's how we've just sort of acquired sort of more and more acreage you know just moving them around different paddocks and and grazing them and you know looking at that sort of group you have uh, if you were considered diversification which obviously as we get into Nuffield is a, is a big part of of what you're talking about one thing that springs to it certainly springs to my mind is sort of the whole you know farm park idea but that sort of tour idea but you've more went down the product side yes um, what what pushed you down that route um I think because of a lot of our well in terms of having people on our sites a lot of our sites just we rely on uh, stream water and if we need electricity, it's either the generator gets hauled out or we use a 12 volt car battery with an inverter in line. Um, so actually having people on site and the access was kind of our limiting factor in terms of people. Mm-hmm. Um, what I suppose the wool was a natural thing. The major diversification for us is a range of goats and milk skincare. And that was just literally a kind of almost a eureka moment. So we bought two goats to just graze the scrubby areas, to keep the hedges in line and to graze the scrub. And um, we bought a weather and a young nanny. And then I remember feeding them sort of probably about six months after we'd got them. And I was like, the nanny is getting an udder. She shouldn't be getting an udder. And I had a good look. Yes, it's definitely a weather. <laughs> so, you know. And I could the one of the rams have got to her technically, but highly unlikely in terms of it surviving the sort of... Um, yeah. So you know, I kept monitoring her and she, it, it turns out it's so inbred into some dairy goats to produce milk that they just spontaneously produce it. They don't need to be put into kids. So she was a maiden milker is the class, is the term, the classification. Um, and I read, just leave her to dry up. And I just stared at this udder. I was like, no, 
that's not going to dry up. Um, so I just started milking her. And again, it's, it's a site, so we've got only stream water to for them and the electricity is limited. So to get to a hygiene standard for foodstuffs wasn't there, you know, huge investment infrastructure needed. Um, so I kind of just was driving home one day and was like, goat's milk soap. I wonder I went Google search of course that was it's a chemical process making soap so it was just like all those lectures of what's course, called yeah. saponification <laughs> and just hit the farming head on and that you know that was it really takes notes as saponification towards it and I know before either um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, uh, the the goat thing not having to be pregnant to be milk is yeah. amazing I would say we had a billy goat, a Toggenberg billy, and he had testicles and an udder. Like a... Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these are the weird-looking goats. <laughs> what are these animals? Uh, I mean, it's almost a biological anomaly. Like, we, we would we would use them as sort of um, as as adopted mothers for pet lambs. Yeah. need to be pregnant, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite, quite a cool quite a cool animal. I, I said at the start, a business based on one of my favourite animals. I... I don't get a chance to say this to you. I absolutely love goats. Yeah. Like we had a thing. Um, <laughs> I'll send you the link off camera. Uh, I think you'll probably quite enjoy it. Basically, I'm vice chair of communications and marketing for for young farmers here, and uh, with that, our communications team were sort of in charge of, you know, who's going to do the TV presenting for the Highland Show, and there was this goat one, and no one was taking it. And I was like, yes all the time yeah. every chance I get I went for it and then um, it just starts with me walking in going this is heaven in a tent yeah. I was like didn't realise I was that camp but apparently I am <laughs> goats. and it's just four minutes of me like running around so happy I mean I don't know how they thought it was good TV but I had a great time uh, so uh, yeah I'll, I'll send you that I'm sure yeah. you but um, so was it was it soap or was it, was it was it, I actually thought it was like a moisturiser or was my yeah so I do both yeah. so I started with the soap and then of course we used to make the soap and selling it people go do you do a moisturizer as well so yeah i do a like a hand cream moisturizer as well alongside the soap and how, how did you build a market for that um friends and family and yeah, then yeah. doing um local farmers markets uh approaching local shops and just online so you're know, using your social media streams and then putting it online as well brilliant and going well Yes, I mean, people say, how does well is it going? It's going well. You know, it's one of those things which you could put your foot flat on the accelerator and it could go very well. And I suppose that's what my Nuffield's about. You know, when a farm does diversify, what sort of considerations do they have? Because especially making a product, you've then got production, marketing and sales. And that, you know, can be a conflict for a farm. You know, so how much how much they do in-house, how much they do out of house and how much they sort of limit their growth of the business in order to keep farming you know some might choose to you know grow exponentially and limit and, and reduce the farming while others will choose to try and keep them all in balance and is all of your stuff in-house yes Brilliant. Yeah, so i've got a uh, you know i've done all everything so far today i've got some sort of a, a graphic design student sort of recent graduate looking at my packaging at the moment and any child labour employed? Have you got them on the go? As much as possible. Although they, they <laughs> yeah. do, you know, at the age of 15, they like to fully negotiate their T's and C's before ever, you know, 
doing an ounce of work. <laughs> Either. I can, what am I getting out of this month? Yes. You know, what yeah. is the pay rate for this <laughs> <laughs> before I do anything? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can maybe had that, like, you know, a. Uh, uh, well, then, you know, this is the thing. I, I was speaking to someone recently who had, like, their. The re Saturday job at 13, which I remember doing from about £2.50, £3 an hour. Yeah. £6.50. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I should I should go back now. Uh, you know. Yeah. Like £3.77, I think. It was one of the way rates. It's like, yeah. and then I see a job for £7.50. It's like, what? <laughs> I was like, how is this happening? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen salaries at our age go up that much. But anyway, no. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's quite something in, in washing pots these days. But yeah, so, so tell us. Uh, Natalie, obviously the reason you're here and the reason you and I um have have came in touch is, is because of Nuffield. You sort of you alluded to it there, but tell us about your Nuffield scholarship. First off, before we actually get into the topic, tell us I've really enjoyed asking everyone about the process. You know, what did how did you hear about it? Why did you get involved with Nuffield and, and sort of what made you put that application in? Um last year I was fortunate enough to take part part in the Royal Welsh Agricultural Society, did a um had an inaugural leadership scheme. So it was kind of, they were given money to invest into people. And so they decided to do an agricultural leaders um, thing. So there was about 13, 14 of us on the course. It was the idea was like three residential sections. And uh, when I did that, one of the leadership sessions was taken by Win Owen, who's the chair of Nuffield. Um, and he sort of mentioned Nuffield and it came up a number of other times. And we actually went to, as part of this leadership course, went to the Nuffield Cardiff conference last November. Um, and I was quite struck by it, but I was like, oh, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I, you know, and, you know, and it was kept sort of going round and round in my head, you know, in terms of, you know, I've come in, you know, I've almost fallen into agriculture and I really, really love it. I really love working in agriculture and I kind of want to start putting my foot on the accelerator in terms of the business, but also in terms of being part of the agriculture community. Like I think coming in from outside, you can feel quite removed you know it took us a little a long time just to simply find a contract to do stuff for us you know knowing those links and you know as where you know how I saw those links and network were building around me and I was it you know really enjoying that and really wanted to participate more and it was so I was toying I you know I remember I started an application form and just kind of parked it right I've started it <laughs> and when you do that you're suddenly on the emailing system yeah uh, yeah bang 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 you get emails and and I was invited to a drinks reception at the last year's Royal Welsh show uh, for Nuffield, Wales. And then um, I went along to that. I had a sort of discussion about sort of my idea of a project with a few guys and was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I mean, I don't think it's ever an easy time. You know, there no. are always sort of, you know, problems and issues and things to consider. But, you know. I've got three years in order to do this because of my age. And I'm like, what, three, four years? Am I really going to do it? You know, is it really going to get easier? No, now is the time to like, I've got, I'm on this sort of track now and it's time to continue accelerating onwards. It's, it's quite an interesting thing that is there ever a right time? It's, it's sort of the same as the, there's always a thousand reasons not to. Yeah. And, and it's the most true saying on the planet. I feel like I've said yes to arguably too much in the last three months, I'll be honest. And I think last week was proof of that when I just <laughs> flat out kaput. Yeah. Um, but I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, the Scottish Farmer. 
and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Now looking back on these three months, I am so proud of those three months and I can't believe I've had the opportunity to do those three months and now looking forward to Nuffield, like it's going to be the same. And that yeah. <clears throat> that drinks reception was good actually because um, I did the same at Highland. Mm. completely forgot to talk about my topic (laughs) 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 it's just really interesting the whole process I think probably a lot of folk were like how did he get in (laughs) 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 is he related to this thing at all Uh, did did we just accidentally let the wrong person in Um, but yeah it was really interesting I think I'd already made my mind up by that point in fairness and arguably maybe already had it in Uh, but I remember thinking right no this isn't just a like Oh, it'd be nice if it happened. I started to think, well, it would be really cool if this did happen and really, really want this to happen. Uh, so, yeah, you sort of got that buzz of you met the people, you met the sort of inspira- inspiring folk that were involved and all that, which was really good. Um, but your topic in itself, uh, your topic in itself, Natalie, much like all of them, I don't think Nuffield scholars get them if they're not, um, is an interesting one. And now my undergraduate dissertation was on diversification. Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting one to me in general. Uh, but tell us what your specific focus is. So I'm looking at sort of farm diversification, but particularly when they take a, far, a product to market. Um, so, you know, you can think of dairy farms that have created an ice cream or a potato farm that's doing crisps. Um, and, you know, ha- the process of that, because as I said earlier, when they do that, they've got production in-house, marketing and sales. Um, all of these and aren't often skills of a farm Mm -hmm. Um, so it's how they balance those pressures on the farm business and also you know how much they keep in house and go out of house you know I'm quite aware that there are certain farms that might choose to diversify you know a dairy farm making ice cream and actually the ice cream becomes such a huge success that they forgo the dairy herd they were trying to save in the first place Um, you know and I just you know I'd like I'm interested to see you know what is that decision making process and how do farms balance that in their in their in their diversification process? So basically, at what stage is your diversification more successful than your original enterprise, yeah. and is it okay at that point for your diversification to be the main business? Yeah, and what what's what's the decision making process to kind of keep it all in house? Because I remember I was, a few months ago, I was really excited. I was invited to like a speed dating buyers events, you know, where the you know, producers sat there and all these buyers came and spoke to you for a few seconds and moved on. And I was thinking, that is great. But actually, do I really want to be selling to Boots and Superdrug? Because that is taking it to an exponential level for me. Um, and, you know, when I'm doing this because I want to farm and I want to, you know, create an earnings from a small farm. And I think that, you know, a lot of farms maybe... I suppose go over the parapet without actually thinking about these processes and making these decisions. That's an interesting question. I'm going to put a question to you. <laughs> Let's say Boots do offer you the chance for your product to be on the shelves. How how does that decision go? Um, <laughs> it's quite pleasing. Having worked for a company that did a Boots contract and okay. was almost taken under by the financial pressures of it, okay. I would say no, thank you. And that so, people might be shocked by that, but that's from my business side of things of seeing the pressures the business was under in terms of supply and paying. You know, I know clearly that where I want to supply, and that's the, what, what I want my business to be. 
It's such a shame that, isn't it? I was basically going to say the exact same question, but super put super drug in there, but yeah. it'll be the same for us. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's a shame that these companies that when we think of, we think of, oh well, that's that's the biggest in for in in, in, in pharmaceuticals. That's where you think of. Yeah. That's the place you want to be. Yeah. But like that, whether that's clothing and <laughs> doesn't know anything about clothing, yeah. clothing brand shop, this always seems to be the case. Like they, they have so much yeah. economies of scale that they they just it doesn't matter if you get. When you think about you know they can they can ask you to make a product, so you've got to buy all the raw materials in, all the equipment to make it, all the staff to do that, and then they're not going to pay if you're lucky a month post delivery if not two or three months post-delivery. So it might have taken you three months to get the items on their shelves. And you've got, so you've got to wait an entire six months of having no cash flow and all that outlay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's crippling for a small business. Yeah. Well, it's impossible for a small business. Yeah, yeah. You know, it might it might be the making of a, of a medium to large business, yeah. but absolutely it's not possible for a small business. Yeah. Which is a shame because there's a lot, there'll be a lot of great products like, like people like yourself out there that, that just can't sort of compete in that market. Yeah. Um, so one of the famous things about Nuffield is the fact that it is not just done from home. Where are you planning on heading? Um, it's not just done from home, but I am planning to do the majority of my travel within the UK. I think that was one of my things. I put my application form in knowing the limitations of my family, yep. thinking I can't go along for, away for prolonged periods of time. I'm going to you know, be quite open and honest about that in my application. Yep. And having been to sort of a conference where I saw a lot of the presenters just doing Zoom meetings, not able to travel because of COVID, so I said, right, I'd, you know, hands up. I'd like the majority of my travel to be within the UK with possibly going to the US to look at some sort of diversifications that I know of there. Amazing. Fantastic. And have you got, so you know of them, you've got places in mind already, yeah? Well, I've got one. I mean, it's, it's finding those farms which have actually done this because, you know, people, oh, I know somebody's diversified, but I'm not looking at tourism and I'm not looking at, you know, outward bound activities. I want people that have made a product. <laughs> It's yeah. it, it, it's not the first diversification that comes to mind as a product. No, I mean it's quite interesting. Last week at the Nuffield conference, there was a talk about the drinks, you know, the drinks industry, and you know, making a drink product. So there you go. There you've got farms making a product going to market. Is it Emily Aitchison? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Very good. It's very yeah. good. Well, idea of farm to glass was ridiculously a term I'd never heard until Emily said that, and I've now heard it four times since. Yeah. Which is mad. <laughs> weekend. It's a sign. I know exactly. Yeah, wait a minute. Have I got to make a beer? Uh, yeah. which is... Just drink it. <laughs> no, no, that's it. That's it. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah, there wasn't any other ones about a product, was there? I mean, apart from obviously like the obvious like beef, but you're not like. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, I was quite disappointed when the talks on the last day was meant to be about cheese, but that didn't happen. And Martin Gott is such an interesting guy. Yeah, so I was quite looking forward to that. I was like, oh, that's difficult. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was kind of gutted about that because I'd pinpointed that one as well. Um, have you heard of uh, Benji Eagle, the no. Meet the Farmers podcast? Okay. So I am, um, I am, you know, very much in competition with Ben, but I'm, I probably, promote, <laughs> I probably promote everyone else's podcast more than I promote. My because I hate promoting. Hopefully they're doing the same to you, so it like yeah, it, it, it even up. It. We're, we're all like such big supporters of each other. Yeah. But um, Ben filmed with Martin Gott, and okay. uh, yeah. So if if you do want to hear him speak, uh, yeah. meet the farmers. Martin Gott, he's on there. Yeah. 
Uh, ben, you're welcome. I'll take commission later. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I was, I was a bit, a bit gutted about that. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be somewhere. He'll, he'll, he'll do it at some point. You can see the film of it. Um, somebody else's report will be up as well. But, uh, yeah, there was. I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed because, eh, yes, if you're going to America, now I think you have to go about forty miles over the border to Canada if you're in Washington. I'm okay. not saying it's going to be, but, um, a very probably not the product you're expecting me to say, but a company there are making a cranberry sauce paste okay. that you then mix in with whatever the product is, I can't remember, so you can make your cranberry sauce at Christmas. So they've based um, their, their cranberry farm and uh, they uh, create cranberry juice for, sorry, they grow cranberries for Ocean Spray. Mm. They're now actually trying to create their own brand, the Bog is, is where it is so that's the name probably doesn't translate over great in the uk um but uh that could be an interesting one and it's, yeah. it's it is canada but uh yeah I've, i filmed with them i think it's like episode 60 something so if you okay. go back you see cranberries in there that could be an interesting one and there's one more in the states that i can't fully remember but anyway it's not like it's a small place it's not like you can just jump <laughs> just a thought um an interesting topic and with a uh, well i say brexit looming it's happened but we still haven't had the full effect. And I, that maybe this is the political, uneducated person in me, but I don't know if we ever fully will. But it seems like one day we're going to have a, a challenge and with Brexit looming um, or the effects I say coming, diversification is just one we need to look at, you know? So, yeah, quite looking forward to, to seeing the report and hopefully we'll be pre- presenting in Aberdeen together, Natalie, yeah. um, which will be quite fun. But, uh, Thank you very much Thank for telling you. us your plans, telling us what the story is. And uh, yeah, I'm sure this will be getting sent around the group chat soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. It's great because I, I, don't, I don't much get time to sort of sit down at home or even read. But like I do get to listen as I drive, either to an audio book or podcast. It's just great. <laughs> well, do you know, I should really, uh, everyone's like, oh, you're in a podcast. And what's your favorite podcast? I'm like, don't think I've listened to a full one ever. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, I sat here with you for an hour and then I'll sit with someone else for an hour. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm hearing them uh, as I do them. But, uh, yeah, there are some good ones. And, I, and with my job, I'm not in the car for long. So yeah. that is when you do it. But there's two questions I ask everyone before I let them run away. And uh, I always think the first one's pretty horrible, but I'm going to give it anyway. I've, I've, said, I've said it over 150 times now, so there's not one <laughs> at this point. The first one is one, uh, where do you see yourself in five years? And the second one is if you had any tips for someone coming into farming, which is quite interesting given that's what you've done, um, what would they be? Um, five years' time, I would hope that I'm doing what I'm doing, but I would really like to be on a farm. I'd like to, to be all be on site. Um, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Um but yeah, I'd like it to all be on site. Um, and then, yeah, and doing what I'm doing more and more active in the, our local agricultural community. For anyone coming in, I would say it is all about network. It's about getting to know people and 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 don't be despondent. You know, one of the first, one of the most regular questions I had is, where are you from? And it, they don't, weren't interested in the geographical area I was born in. They want to know what farm I was from. Mm-hmm. And it just did take the back. And you will get people who will say, well, why are you doing this? What are you doing this for? And they're farming. And you're thinking, well, get out, make space for some other people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I was just don't give up and just keep networking. I think as, as farmers, we're the worst sellers of our own industry. Mm. It's, it's yeah. bad, actually. 
Really and I remember, you know, we took on 10 acres and it was all overgrown. And I, you know, I was trying to get a contract to cut hay. And I remember finding one, he goes, I'm not going to, you can't pay me to cut that. I wouldn't, I'd stick a match to it if I were you. And I was thinking, well, you're being paid. I just want it cut and bailed. That's fun. Why is it Isn't that so hard? <laughs> yeah, does yeah. come with challenges. <laughs> the networking <laughs> thing is very true. The networking thing is very true. And yeah. I mean, I think, I think Nuffield proved that. You know, the yeah. capabilities of that network is uh, yeah. it's insane, actually. Yeah. So yeah, the tip is doing Nuffields. Is that- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite nice. I mean, you know, you go to a conference and you're queuing up for tea and coffee and you're expected to like talk. You know, you're not a nutter for talking to the person in the queue exactly. next to you. You actually, that's what happens. You do talk to the person in the queue next to you. Because I think I am definitely the talker no matter what queue you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally, like you say, <laughs> like you are a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you speaking words at me? <laughs> you know, I was at the post office counter today and the lady in front of me said to us, don't put your card away. We need that for the cakes. And I said, did you say cakes? <laughs> she, <laughs> <laughs> she looked at me and said, well, we wouldn't want a cake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why are we, we not involved in this? Yeah. Um, nah, here, very good, Natalie. It's been a pleasure. It really has. I hope, I hope you've enjoyed the time as well. Thank you. Thank you, Wallace. No, not at all. Time does fly by. It's, it's, it's we're here. We're over, over 50 well well over 50 minutes there so the yeah so for those listening um thank you for coming along as always that has been one to, i believe the fourth of the nuffield cohort now um there's at the time of recording i still I still think three more to come out before this one um i filmed a few before we uh we went down and met each other and I had said originally that I was going to film with everyone bar one, which again is nothing against Sophie at all. Um, it's just I'd filmed with Sophie before, but I think given she's now in our field, I'm going to have to ask Sophie on again, which makes Sophie the first ever, the first ever person to come on two individual episodes as just himself on the R2 cast. So Sophie, you really are famous. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure having you on, Natalie, for those listening. The next episode, as we've said, will be with Dan Jones. Dan is another one of that Nuffield group. Um, and I must say, uh, I really should mention this, Dan, if you're listening. Um, my partner that came down to, to Exeter, uh, I keep saying Essex, my partner that came down to Exeter, Yasmin, is a shepherd. And she was very much, and this is no offence to yourself, Natalie, or anyone in the rest of the cohort, but all she was interested in was Dan because <laughs> sheep, sheep, sheep. And, <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, I'll have to introduce Yaz to to Dan and then it was about four three and a half minutes into walking into the room and there they were having a tea together so that was that done <laughs> uh, so quite looking forward to having a sort of in-depth chat with Dan because I haven't haven't I didn't really manage over the course of the time because you were meeting so many folk that I, I didn't really get chatting to yourself there's quite a few folk you didn't fully get chatting yeah. so looking forward to another episode there for those of you listening if you have any tips for folk coming on to the podcast please shout I do get quite a lot of um messages about that now uh, we're kind of sort of sewn up now until the best part of january i believe in the next few weeks with all in series we've got quite a lot of exciting well maybe not the next few weeks we've, we've got a few days my, my co-host ed has broken his face um and he, that's literally what's happened he's got like a displaced cheekbone and it's really near his temple and all this and it's quite dangerous and normally i take the mick out of him but i feel like i actually can't and this one is quite serious so we've got uh in the next um 
few months, we'll say, let's not say weeks, just in case I get that wrong. We have someone from the show Sex Education. So if you're a Netflix fan uh, and you watch Sex Education, it is not any of the absolute famous three. I apologise. Maybe we'll get them on another time. Um, with Chris Jenks, who plays Steve. Um, we've got Kate Rawls, who, who, who built a bike out of bamboo, cycled from essentially Mexico to the bottom of Chile, and on the way used her environmental knowledge to stop off in random communities and help them do stuff haven't haven't really spoke to her yet quite looking forward to seeing what actually was involved there and um, we then have the uh, an ex champions league winner so for the football fans listening i hope you're as excited as i am uh, he was part of that liverpool team in the 80s so yep quite a quite a fantastic footballer actually kind of insane we've got him on and now um operated as an MLS coach and now quite a quite a controversial pundit I'm sure you'd be happy with me saying in the States and one more uh, on there which has been recently um, arranged is Gunnar Garforce now you're probably hearing that name and thinking hmm don't know who that is Gunnar and I'm not going to say what country Gunnar's from because quite easily given what I'm about to tell you it is quite hard to follow him Gunnar's basically claim to fame not even just claim to fame it is the reason he's known is he's the only person on the planet ever I believe, or he was the first person on the planet ever, sorry, to go to every country, not once, but twice. Uh, he's got nine world records, he's got six books, he's done TED, NRK talks, all these different things, and I've just looked at his Instagram, and I still don't actually know what country he's from. Um, so yeah, he's tried them all, he's currently in Gabon, Gabon, uh, he'll be flying back to wherever he is uh, the day we film, and I think he's got the flight the next day. Um, so yeah, living quite a cool life, Uh I really want to get, and if someone does know this person, please get in touch. Hardest geezer on. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's the guy that is currently running from the south of South Africa to the tip of Morocco, uh, all the way through Africa. He has been held at gunpoint. He's been stolen. He's literally been kidnapped. His feet have fallen off. He's ran 60k in a day with food poisoning. He is a man that doesn't seem to have any feeling. <laughs> and he's just keen to keep on going. So once he finishes, he's going to be completely famous because his Instagram and YouTube has blown up. But if we could get him on, that would be insane. Thank you very much for listening, as always. And we shall see you for episode number 157. See you then. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast as much as I have and I would just like to quickly thank our primary sponsors of the show today, Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. If you follow Howden Rural on social media, you'll see the plethora of work that they do to support this sector and it's been a pleasure to work alongside them so far and long may it continue. For more information about them, be sure to check out howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural and I'll see you for the next episode.